When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. CD when I'm on. <laughs> Magic stick. <laughs> Keith McPherson on the fan inside the 9 o'clock hour. Got the Rangers on in here. Uh, Islanders not doing as well as the Rangers right now. Rangers, as you just heard in Marco's update, they lead 3-1 in the third period at the Garden. The Islanders are down 4-2 to the Maple Leafs, keeping an eye on the puck, but I know it's not going to drive conversation tonight. We'll get back to it. We will get back to it. I promise. And, uh, yeah, the Nets are not playing tonight, but the Nets did shock the world. Well, not the world. I just said to Marco, like, if a tree falls and you know you know the statement. I feel like no one really cared that much. Nets fans, yeah. And for me, I needed it. It was such a relief to be able to say, all right, I'm switching to watch the Nets play basketball instead of the Cowboys play football. And the Nets battled and came back and knock off Steph Curry without KD, and it gives you some hope for the Nets. But I'm kind of with Evan on the fact that I really don't think the Nets are winning anything this year. It'd be nice. I, I'm just asking for a playoff run past the second round. But I just think when it comes down to it, their, their roster right now doesn't have what it takes to measure up against other rosters in just the East, not even the entire NBA. And, uh, you know, the Nets were in second place, and, they lost, I think, four games before winning their last two, so now they're in fourth. And the Knicks, I think, were as high as fifth or sixth. They've dropped down to seventh after losing four in a row. So it's just hard for us to turn the page here as sports fans, as radio hosts, to say, okay, the Jets have been eliminated for, I don't know, a month. The Giants are eliminated, and now we're going to talk football, and or now we're going to talk baseball and basketball and hockey and not talk football. No, we're going to keep talking football, especially on a day like today. Like I said, there's Monday morning quarterbacks. It's a Monday football Monday, and uh, we're taking calls to see how you feel, what you saw, what you think. And uh, as you guys hit me with different things, I will finish the conversation and add to it. I'm looking for a tweet. When I find it, I will read it to you because it was something about, you know, the 27 years now that it's been since the Dallas Cowboys have gotten back to an NFC championship. And, of course, they're facing off against the Niners yesterday, and that is a rivalry from the 80s, 90s, early 90s, and you know both teams were great then and had Super Bowls during those runs. But when you look at how the Niners have been back to multiple Super Bowls, multiple conference championships since then, and the Cowboys know it's a, it's a tale of two franchises that have gone in opposite directions, but yet the ultimate goal, neither one has been able to add Super Bowl championship number six. They're both stuck at five. And as a fan, right, I'm, I'm not trying to see the Niners win their sixth Super Bowl before the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not trying to see the Eagles in division win another Super Bowl, have another trophy to stand on. And I picked the Chiefs in the beginning of the year as my Super Bowl favorite, as my pick to win it all. But you have a hobble Patrick Mahomes. 
and a Joe Burrow who lost the Super Bowl last year and probably has thought about that every single day since, and I just can't bet against that kid. I just think that the Bengals have the confidence of going in there last year and winning, and they're going to go in there and probably do it again. If Mahomes is not mobile, if they can heat him up, if they can attack him, if they can be physical like they were with the Bills, like I was so impressed by the Bengals. I'm like, these guys, they don't care about anything. They're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow said, our championship window is every year that I'm here. Like, to come out and say that and then be right back in an AFC championship, that kid is different. When they talk about who is him, I'm him, I'm him, like Stephon Diggs, I'm him. No, sir, you can only be him if Josh Allen gets you the ball. Joe Burrow is H-I-M, the guy. And it doesn't matter who's blocking. It doesn't matter who they're playing. That guy's on a mission. And I would much rather see the Bengals win the Super Bowl than the Niners or the Eagles. I would much rather see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl than the Niners or Eagles. So AFC the rest of the way. Let's go to Rich in Pennsylvania on the fan. What's up, Rich? Hey, Keith. I just want to say I'm sorry about uh, your Cowboys. It's not but, your uh, fault. It's not. Do not apologize for them. They're trash, yeah, no, and I, we knew it. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, look, I just want to touch on something before I get to my Jets with a caller, a few, few callers back said about uh, he was 100% right. It's, it's an offensive quarterback-driven league now, but the, the Eagles could be beat. So you can't compare them with the 85 Bears. 85 Bears, it was over before it began. Uh, they pre-recorded the Super Bowl shuffle before even the playoffs started. That's how dominant they were. That's a once-in-a-lifetime team. We'll never see that again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and I mean, but, they also had Walter Payton, and, you know, they yeah, knew, they knew, Rich, they knew what they had compared to the rest of the league. I remember watching that. Really there was, like, a documentary on the 85 Bears. They were so dominant. Uh, never see that again. But to get to the Jets, uh, Keith, I just want to say uh, – so all the fans are thinking to get Lamar Jackson. That's out of the question. Uh, the Jets cannot afford to trade any cap space whatsoever. It, no quarterback like Lamar or even Aaron Rodgers would want to come to this offensive line right now. It's so bad. Do you need your draft uh, cap bad? Do you need to fill that offensive line big time? I know Beckton's coming back in AVT, but Beckton's been gone two years. I'd love to see him come back his, his rookie year, but uh, yeah, I, I, that's I, a I big hope so. if. Talking about the NFL, if Makai Becton is able to come back. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm with exactly. you. Go ahead. And we're on the cheap right now. Um, we have such a great draft with all these young guys. We're going to have to pay them sooner or later. And plus, uh, Quinn and Williams is due a big contract coming up. Uh, we're going to have to restructure Mosley's contract and uh, Lawson if they don't trade him. And that's why I, I know Fleeks talked about Derek Carr, and I think that's the best option for the Jets. Because I don't think we're going to have to give up much draft cap. But there's no way Lamar Jackson would want to come to this team with this offensive line. I mean, he'd be running for his life. And uh, same with Rodgers at, at the end. Unless he could build a lineup before they got them, which is improbable, uh, to make confidence. I, I think the Jets right now have to look for Derek Carr. Uh, that's our best bet because we're built to win right now. And uh, in two, three years, the Jets are going to have to start paying these guys. And uh, it's going to be a lot of money coming when, when you have a Sauce Gardner, uh, Wilson, Wilson at the receiver. So And Quinn Williams coming up with his big contract. So it, it's a win situation right now, and I think Derek Carr is the Jets' best bet right now on the cheap. 
I like the idea. Thanks for the call, Rich. And I, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the report that Lamar Jackson turned down 133 million fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, that was the latest report that came out there about you know his contract extension. Uh, Chris Mortensen, Chris Mortensen of ESPN.com reports that Jackson passed on a six-year deal, which would be a five-year extension that would have paid him 133 million fully guaranteed at signing, and that's more than what Kyler Murray got at 103.3 million, and what Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson got at 1.24 million. I think Lamar is trying to beat what Deshaun Watson got. And I think it's kind of uh, bogus that like we're in an NFL right now where Deshaun Watson is the highest paid quarterback with the most guaranteed money. And he was out of the league for almost two years. <laughs> yeah. Later in the article, it says none of that apparently matters since Mortensen makes it clear that Jackson wanted a fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson style contract. Like, he reset the market with that. The Browns. Idiots. We'll see what Deshaun Watson turns into. I'm not rooting for the guy. I hope he sucks. Because I want the Browns to regret that decision. And uh, I don't think he should be rewarded for what put him out of the league for two years. Yeah, yeah, say what what you want about the women and the whole situation, whatever. Uh, it brought shame on to the Shield. And uh, I don't know. I just didn't like what I heard and what I you know, read from the whole Deshaun Watson case. And I thought it was super bogus that the NFL even allowed him to uh, come back in the league and make news like that. But what do I know? Just a fan on the fan. Let's talk to some more fans on the fan. Let's go to my guy, Dominic, in East Rochester. What's up, Don? Look at you piling on my Browns. <laughs> Cued you right up. <laughs> <laughs> and I purposely was going to say there's no way I'll pile on, you know, your Cowboys, and there you go, you pile on my Browns. <laughs> Only because I didn't like the I didn't like I the move you. at all. I think we've all been over this. They didn't do their, got... their due diligence. They saw an opportunity to finally land a quarterback, and they did it, and they put all that guaranteed money on that guy, and uh, he's a masseuse madman. He was uh, taking it taking it too far. Keith, I told you before, many nights, I got to root for the laundry. That's all I can do. I'm with you. I'm stuck like that with the Cowboys. I'm rooting, I for, I'm rooting for the laundry. It just, it's just a Listen, loyalty thing. It is what it is. I see I pictures of myself at Cowboys. four or five in a Cowboys jersey. I'm like, I, 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 it is what it is. I got, I got a word on the Cowboys and the Giants. But, Keith, did Cashman, he, he said that he's going to be playing left field for us. Did he say... What level of game, baseball, like maybe A ball or something? <laughs> I don't maybe. care what – I was just saying this to Marco. I don't care what Cashman has to say on January anything, February anything. These guys, they have to try and sell Aaron Hicks. And, he, and they're talking him up about, you know, his efforts and, you know, that he's I, – I do, I do not care. Cashman's quote was, I suspect – I suspect he will be the guy that emerges in left field because he is still really talented and everything is there. That's what he said yesterday on Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. Hopefully we can get the Aaron Hicks we know is in there back as a consistent player for us. Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, Paul O'Neill better start uh, warming up and put him out there. Oswaldo Cabrera can play a better left field than Hicks. You think? Do you think? Yep, so, let the kid so, work on it. And I so before can, I wasn't so can my boy. 
who's my boy that they keep moving up and down, up and down, up and down? Who's who's a kid he can hit? He had 40 doubles as a rookie. He got screwed out of the <laughs> Miguel Andujar. Who, who was Hart, just who was just released by the Pirates to make room for Andrew McCutcheon? Oh, jeez! So if the Yankees want to bring him back, <laughs> he's available. Hey, listen, I'm not going to pile on your Cowboys, okay? Well, feel first, free, one, feel quick, free. one quick thing on the Giants: the chain broke. I mean, really? Yeah, it's like shenanigans. That's what I call. I'm like, what oh, type geez. of shenanigans are this? I remember they used to have the chain gang oh. for Pop Warner. It was like guys' dads that would volunteer to move the chains. We're in the NFL in the divisional round playoffs, and we got to stop the game because the chains are jumbled. You know. Keith, remember in the Super Bowl? On the Super Bowl every year, they had that advertisement about the lock, and they they you know they threw uh, missiles at it and everything, and the lock never broke. That's the way the chain should be on the sidelines. That you can't break them even if you tried. Oh my God! I think, anyway, I think Keith, the fix was in. Somebody I don't know Cowboys, what they did. On your Cowboys, I I gotta say those three faithful words, Keith. I got I I gotta say them. Please do. It ain't working. It hasn't been working for 27 years. It, you listen. I, it, this is this is not a pile on. You you can't be right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like saying that because I, I I like you, but my Browns made it to a conference championship game more recently than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, what year were the Browns? Is it possible? What year were the Browns in the AFC Championship last? Oh, yeah, no, because they're saying that this 27 years is the longest drive Denver, in the NFL. Three games against Denver. Three games against Denver. I don't I know. We... It's just misery. It's just misery because they've had the talent. So many talented players have passed through the Dallas Cowboys in the last three decades, and they haven't been able to figure out how to get back to an NFC Championship, let alone a Super Bowl. About, about a couple minutes ago, you're talking about Dallas and the Giants, I think it was that you know you got five and you're trying to get number six. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, five rings. I just want to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. See, so <laughs> that's what I'm saying. In our football feelings on on a Monday, where like you know, I know Jets fans are listening. Someone tweeted me on Twitter. They were like, "I want the heartbreak of losing in the divisional round again." Like, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, it's I not got fun. Scold- it's not fun I got either way. I got scolded on Cleveland radio today because I said, I just want to get there. The guy said, well, don't, you know, no, you want to win. I said, first, I want to get there. I just want to get right. there. You want to take, you want to, you want to take the magic carpet ride. It doesn't matter. Like Dable said, it was a crash landing. Yeah, but it was fun to even believe, to feel like you could fly. It was fun to imagine and dream of going to the Super Bowl. Crash landing or not, we still took the trip. That two weeks as a fan, has to be fabulous. It is. And it's even, gotta be fabulous. even, like I said, for me as a pessimistic Dallas fan, you can't help it the day of the game to be like, wait, there's a game. You don't know how it's going to play out. I come on air and I say no one knows. No one knows anything about how these games are going to go, what's going to happen, so you have a chance. And even though I told myself I don't believe in them, I don't believe in them, I'm excited for the prospect to win the game, and I'm hanging on every play until about halftime. I was like, I'm over it. I don't care, Keith, if I went in as a three-touchdown underdog. I don't care. If I play the game, I can win the game. And not only that, you know, even if you lose, but, you know, you lose uh, 
you know, 21 to 20, hate to do that, but what are you going to do? But, you know, you give the other team that's supposed to be so great everything that you got. That's all. But those two weeks have to be fabulous. I've never experienced that. As a Yankee fan, I've had some fabulous runs. Fabulous. I mean, thank God, Keith, for the Yankees. Thank yeah. dear God for the Yankees. Yeah, and it's different. It's, it's different with, with baseball. Thanks for the call, Dom. And I'll say that with the with you know the Yankees and with baseball, it's a series. And there's games, you know, every day, break, you know, travel, whatever. In football, it's one game. One and done. Winner go home. And there's so much going into these one games, right? For Giants fans, it's like the wild card round. You thought you could win. Felt good about the matchup. You had your parties, you had your fun in the wild card, you survived it. And then it happens again, and you set it up again, and you're like, let's do it again. Let's have a Giants preview party again. Let's have a watch party. Let's have all this. And then it comes crashing down. If you went to Minnesota as a Giants fan, you made the right move. If you went to Philadelphia as a Giants fan, that was a nightmare. Waste of time and money. But you believed the whole time, for the most part. You wouldn't be going down there if you didn't believe, right? You believe that you had a chance to win. And that's what sports does to us. That's what fandom does to us. We can look at the facts that the Eagles were clearly the better team, and we throw the facts out the window for the ifs. If they get off to a hot start. If they take the fans out of it. If Daniel Jones has a big game. If Saquon Barkley runs the ball 15 times and... And then the reality hits. It's not the NFL. It's the NFL, the National Football League, and you got to go off facts. The fact is, Brock Purdy outplayed Dak Prescott. The fact is, Dak has been in the league for seven years. Brock Purdy has played seven games. But when I look at the quarterback rating, Brock Purdy was at a 53.1, Dak at a 51.5. When I look at the yards... Yeah, Brock Purdy had 214 yards. Dak had 206. Not good enough. Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. Dak Prescott is a $40 million a year quarterback. <laughs> anyway, Gio is out in Brooklyn on the fan. Go for it, Gio. You got it. Hey, hey, what's going on, Keith? I don't know if you remember me from last weekend when um I was telling you about that Jim Jones song, Ballin'. Balling, we yeah, were balling. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys were yeah, balling. Yep. The biggest disappointment in my life right now was watching that football game when we were down 7 to 20-something. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was sitting next to a Philly fan, and he was telling me, where's your Giants? Is that, that's not the same team that played last weekend. And I just, it, it was just horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. I will tell you, like I told you last week, like I told you Friday, I wasn't expecting to win. It would have been great because I would love to have seen the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. It didn't happen. But like you said, there's always next season. And I think next season, we might, we might, we, we have the potential to take it all the way. We have the potential to take it all the way. We do a little bit of twerking here and there. And uh, we, we were going to do better. I mean, we were just, we, we were, we looked good, but we wasn't ready. That's how I see it. Thanks for the call, Gio. You don't want to do any twerking. You want to do some tweaking. I think he said twerking, but what he meant was tweaks. 
changes. Twerking, we don't even have to go down that one. But I understand the disappointment, right? You just have to be real. That's why I said this was a reality check weekend. Reality is the Minnesota Vikings were fraudulent. We've said that on air. No one believed in them. The term paper tigers was used for them. The only person that believed in them was Gio on the morning show. He showed up with a 44 jersey. I'm not even sure who that is. It was an old school jersey all fired up to get at Giants fans. I don't know. That's what fandom does to us. It can confuse us. It can make us believe things that are not real. But then when you go up against the Eagles, a division rival who has dominated you for years now and who's stacked at every position, and they have a second-round quarterback who's still on his rookie deal, which is ideal. That is what the NFL model is right now. Win with a quarterback on his rookie deal before you have to pay him the big bucks. Because then you can go pay for A.J. Brown. Then you can go pay for the top corners. Then you can go have the dogs on the defensive line. Because you're not paying a quarterback $40 million. Jalen Hurts was a second-round guy. He didn't break the bank like a Zach Wilson did at number two overall. And look at the value. The guy can run the ball, throw the ball, leads. His demeanor is the same. He's a monster as far as hitting the weights. He, he's he's a solid guy. And the Eagles, I hate to tell y'all, but the Eagles are, they're legit. They're legit. And Giants fans were reminded, and it was a rough reminder, reality check, that they just have all of the talent and the Giants aren't there yet. But the future is bright. I know it is hard today to just sit back and say the future is bright because you're embarrassed. You go down 28 nothing on the road. It's the only game on the whole NFL world. Is like, hey, start the Bengals-Bills game. This game's a wrap. But chin up. Chin up. I know it's hard to look at the season and say, oh, no one expected us. Chin up. This was Year one of a rebuild, you could have had Joe Judge. Keep McPherson on the fan. I will be right back. About halfway through my five-hour show on this football Monday, Keep McPherson on the fan. The number to dial is 877-337-6666. We're talking through the football, and I think most of the conversation has been around the Fraudulent Dallas Cowboys in that Niners game. And uh, I was able to find the tweet from our very own Damon Amendolora. Obviously, DA is on the CBS side, but he's been on the fan. He recently filled in on the fan. And he writes on Twitter this morning at 6.56 a.m. The Cowboys' last NFC Championship game appearance continues to be the 1995 season. In that time, the 49ers have been to the NFC Championship game seven times and the Super Bowl twice. So in 27 years, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, who have multiple double-digit win seasons, multiple trips to the playoffs, all they've been able to do is come up with first-round exits in the wild card or get the bye and have a first-round exit in the division round, or win in the first round like they did this year against a Bucks team, which anybody else in the playoffs probably would have beat, or in the year where they were helped by the bogus NFL officials and beat the Detroit Lions. 
Then they go on and lose in a divisional round. 27 years of not being able to get past the divisional round. And their two um, franchise quarterbacks that they had over the, you know, the last decade, two decades, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott are both 0-3 in the divisional round. And, yeah, it's uh, pain and misery. And, uh, you know, it's not just pain and misery of, you know, not making the playoffs, right? And I understand Jets fans or Browns fans or some of these other, uh, you know, teams and organizations that just are inept and, like, seem to not be able to figure it out. Like, that's a different struggle. But it's the same struggle. If you don't win the Super Bowl, what did you win, right? We're going back to Jeter again. You finished second. Like, what did so? What did you accomplish? You didn't win. There's one champ every year, and if you're not that, you you didn't win. You came up short. And sure, it's great for fans to take the run and the ride and whatever. But at the end of the day, like you know, I just said in my opening earlier today, Bills fans are sad today. The Bills mafia is sad today. They thought they had a special team. Every NFL network personality picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl this year. Even the Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Oh, this team is special. They came back down from 27-7, and they're on a trajectory of destiny with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson has done this before. He's been the underdog before. He can do it again. He's best friends with Andy Reid. He knows Andy Reid well. Nope. Nope. Even when Patrick Mahomes goes down. Jacksonville Jaguars fans are thinking, this is it. Mahomes comes out of this game. We can steal this game. No. They're feeling bad about the way the season ended. And this is a first-year head coach in the first year um, of their second-year quarterback together. Rangers just scored. Rangers are up 6-2 now with three minutes left in the third. A bunch of goals scored. I think the last time I looked, it was like 3-1. I think the last time I reported on air, it was 3-1 Rangers. Now it's 6-2 Rangers. This is a wrap. But, yeah. Giants fans are not feeling it today or yesterday. Not because they, you know, oh, yes, the moral victories and all things considered, it was a good year, a better year than expected. But nobody wants to get blown out by a division rival on national television for the world to see. Nobody wants to win a playoff game and then absolutely not show up in the second playoff game and have to, like, kind of tuck your tails and hide. That game was over at half. And same with Dallas Cowboys fans. That game, I think, was the worst of all of them because it was a winnable game. Because you are, you are playing against a rookie quarterback that almost didn't get drafted. You lose that game by seven points. If Dak Prescott doesn't throw an interception going in the score, it's a different game. I mean, even if Brett Maher hits that first extra point, it's a different game. If Tony Pollard doesn't go down, it's a different game, so... A lot of fan bases are sad today, but they're just joining the other fan bases. There's four teams left. And like I said before, it seems like these fan bases, the Chiefs fans, since they've had Mahomes and even before Mahomes, they're in it almost every year. The Bengals, yeah, the Bengals are the one franchise that, like, they went from having bags over their heads to now they've got Joe Burrow, and until he retires... They're they're in it. Their championship window is open until he hangs it up. It doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to, which he's going to have Jamar Chase probably his entire career. They're in it, and their fans love it. You could hear the Hootay chants 
in Orchard Park. Wasn't a long trip for them to go to Ohio, from Ohio to Western New York. They make that trip easy. And now they'll head to Kansas City. And then uh, 49ers fans are spoiled. They had all the glory they had in the 80s and then into the 90s. They went from Joe Montana to Steve Young. And then they watched Colin Kaepernick in a Super Bowl. They watched Jimmy Garoppolo in a Super Bowl. And they're one win away from watching Brock Purdy, who no one expected to see in a Super Bowl. There's a lot of talk out there about the matchup between Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts going back, I think, three years now to college. Ohio State, not Ohio State, Iowa State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma was the number nine ranked team at eight and one. Iowa State was five and four. Purdy balled out. He had five touchdowns, 282 yards. Hurts balled out. He had three touchdowns, 273 yards. It was a shootout. I don't think we'll see that again, but there's already been a lot of talk about these two matching up against each other again in the NFL. The final four. It'll be 49ers at Eagles at 3 o'clock, and then it'll be Bengals at Chiefs at 6.30 on Sunday. We'll get there. We'll get there. Now let's get back to the phones. Harvey is in Dix Hills on the fan. What's up, Harvey? Hello? Hey, you got it, Harvey. You're on. Okay. Uh, before I get to my giant call, I'd like to talk about Brock Pur- uh, Purdy. I think I spoke to you a couple of weeks about that. Uh, is that uh, if you go back and look at the tape of the game, He's not your usual rookie quarterback. I mean, I, I mean, every, every scouting director must be uh, tearing their hair out out of missing him as the last, the last pick in the draft. You know what? He was a, he, he was a, they highlighted he was a baseball pitcher. Mm-hmm. And if, and then I started to watch the game. He has different motions to his quarterback style. He has a sidearm motion and, uh, very unusual style for, for a rookie quarterback. And I think that may be his secret if you, if you want to go back and look at it. I, as I said, I think that he's not your usual rookie quarterback from Iowa State. He's undersized. He went to Iowa State. He definitely has different arm slots as far as where he releases the ball. And we're seeing that a lot with the, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the Patrick Mahomes types of the world. And, you know, you, you, you see these guys trying to do what he does. But I think he was just a guy that like fell under the radar. He was a what starter. Ra- what radar did he fall under? I mean, he goes. He went to. The, I mean, let's assume that he wasn't Mister Relevant and he was a free agent. He may not have ever been there because most of them never make the roster. But he was drafted last, and any time you're drafted, you get into camp. So I don't know whether San Francisco actually scouted him for that, whether they knew that, or it was just an accident that that he's this accomplished. I, I also think that, that Shanahan has a ton to do with it, and the Niners have a ton to do with developing him and him bringing, you know, him coming in in August and him being the third-string quarterback behind a Trey Lance and a Jimmy Garoppolo. They probably never imagined this, but they, they prepared him. And here's something I've said before, and I can just see it now. That Niners defense, he's going up against them in practice in the beginning of the season. Well, he's probably true. the scout team I never, quarterback. I never thought of Going up against the Niners defense. If you can go up against the Niners defense in practice, you'll probably be all right against whatever defense you face. And he went up against the Dallas Cowboys defense. He didn't have his best game, but he did enough to win the game. I'm so impressed with the young man. Uh, I think if he's able to get them to a Super Bowl, they do not go anywhere else. He's the starter next year. And sure, Trey Lance, they'll have compete with him, but Trey Lance probably wants to get out of there. 
Shanahan finds his quarterback with the last pick of the draft. You know, I always, uh, you know, for years I've been game planning. You and I talked about that. It doesn't always come out. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I on Saturday morning I went on and felt I really didn't feel the Giants had a chance against the Eagles. If they, if, uh, if they did have a chance, is what my, my football coach told me, or one of my football coaches, that if you, want, if you face a team, and I said this Saturday morning, Joe, is if you face a team that's much better than you, attack their strength. Uh, because then they will, then, then they'll wonder what you're doing, alright? And, uh, unfortunately, when I watched the Giant game, to me, my opinion, they were totally, I mean, all year was containment. Uh, they have a saying that if you score the first point, tie the rest of the game. Their game, I have no idea what the Giant game plan was. I don't know whether they just failed on all, you know, they failed on the, on Jones's running and Barkley's running. Uh, and then they didn't do what I thought, is that they have to score points. I told, I think I went on with you with that, is that if you're going to beat the Eagles, you've got to score points, which means you have to use your tight ends and your receivers. I just didn't feel that they that they were organized at all. And uh, I don't know why that is. As I dissect it and you dissect it, we'll try to figure it out. But one thing I want to discuss, because you're experienced at this, this whole, like, you know, when you win, you don't criticize. It's when you lose that you start looking at what they did. And, and, uh, when you have a defense that depends on blitzing, all right, and uh, their defensive coordinator relies on different uh, blitzing schemes, when you blitz all the time, like the Giants, have, like the like he does uh, with the Giants, you open up your defense to attack. All right, you open up areas that the other team can attack. Do you agree with that? Stop. I mean, usually I always thought the thing is you only blitz when your defensive line can't can't get to the quarterback, or it doesn't have any effectiveness. They don't pressure well. Now, in the Giants' case, he came in with that whole idea of blitzing as the basically the majority of what he does on defense. Uh, what do you, what, you you played in college? Do you agree with that blitzing defense? All the, I think he kind of decreased his blitzing the last couple of games. You know, what do you Again, think it goes back to style? personnel. Sometimes you're trying to make up for what you don't have, right? So sometimes right, exactly right. That's what I mean, right? You're sending guys you because better, you don't. Why would you need to rely on blitzing all the time? You won't have to, but they. I mean, they have a pretty decent front, but uh, you know, sometimes you got to add an extra guy to to heat them up, and and it's a risk. It's a gamble. Thanks for the call, Harvey. You 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 blitz hoping they get home, knowing that they don't always get home, and you take a chance in sending more defenders to rush the passer than drop back in coverage. It just it just is what it is. I don't know. Uh, maybe if they get better linebackers, better corners, better DBs, they'll be less inclined to blitz. But also, if you get better people in your secondary, you're more inclined to blitz because you trust them more. And it just depends. It's it's all matchups. And it's all style of play, and uh, I mean, you, you can't blitz if if they're they have blitz beaters. It, it depends on the situation in every game. I don't know. Never was a defensive coordinator. Always was more of an offensive guy. Keith McPherson on the fan eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'll be right back. Let them have it. Call the fan at eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Powered by SuperBook Sports. Visit SuperBook.com. KM to AM, a five-hour show on this Football Monday. Let's try and get two calls in here before we go to the top of the hour, the break, and the update. Um, Let's see here. Ari is in West Orange on the fan. Let's go, Ari. You got it. 
Hey, how you doing, Keith? Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the call. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, so, uh, you know, big, big Giant fan. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I'm really not disappointed in the season, uh, all things considered. They, uh, they, they, they definitely overachieved. Um, you know, they had a couple of really nice wins, of course, and uh, really wasn't expecting much in the um, in, in the playoff game, honestly. Maybe, I, I, although I should say, I thought they'd be a little bit more competitive, but uh, Eagles are just obviously so that they're just a far superior team. And, uh, and it was uh, it, it was sort of like a, a pretty good, you know, like Dable said, a crash landing. And uh, management obviously understands how uh, how far they have to go, um, you know, to get into that level. So, uh, but you know, my my really wanted to talk to you a little bit about Daniel Jones. Um, I've called the fan uh, several times. I've made no secret of my uh, me being not in favor of him. I really felt like the Giants should have just you know uh, cut ties with him after last season and start off press with uh with somebody new, whether it be a, a rookie or a veteran or something. Um and look, he obviously had a great year. I'm not denying that. Uh he obviously cut back on the interceptions, which was a which was a major problem for him, of course, uh the first couple of years in the league. And um uh you know and and he really, you know, did a really nice job in Dable's system. So where I am though with him, Keith, is that uh, I, I just still don't see him as that next level type quarterback. Um, and I understand that. And the Giants are like, to me, are dealing with just a really, really weird place. Like, you don't want to use the word stuck, but in a way, to me, that's kind of like where they are because there's really, you know, you don't really want to go out there and, and it's, it, it's a risk to sign that there's not that many free agents who you can argue are that much better than him. And obviously, where they are in the draft, um, they're low down in the first round. So they're definitely not going to be able to go out themselves and get themselves a, a potential franchise quarterback. And there's obviously debate about whether or not there really is one anyone and anywhere in this draft. So to me, it's kind of like in that sort of no man's land as a quarterback. Um, I, I see Daniel Jones, honestly, moving forward as a guy who's going to be good enough to beat like the good, I mean, um, to beat that the, the average to sort of good teams, but really never going to be on that, that type of quarterback that's going to win you a game against a truly, you know, top level team. Uh, and the case of, in point of that is what happened this year. If you look at the wins that he had this year, Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay, he, he, the AFC South, those are all, you know, mediocre to a little bit above average teams. You look in the conference, and that's really, Keith, where it's all about. And I know Sean referenced in, in the uh, in the press conference that he did because the division, they were terrible. You know, all they did was beat Washington. You know, they beat Washington every year. And even in the conference, Keith, they, they lost to basically every top-level conference team. Um, so, you know, if you're going to tell me you're going to sign Jones to like a two or three year sort of like bridge type thing, and maybe, maybe he gets a little bit better over these next couple of years, uh, where you talk more down the road, you know, I'm okay with that. But if you're going to talk about, you know, committing to him like five, six years and saying, you're the guy and this is the plan. Uh, I still have serious reservations about that, Keith understandable. And you just said a bunch. Thank you for the call, Ari. Like you just hit on, I guess, everything for potentially not signing Daniel Jones. So I'll speak to why they will probably sign Daniel Jones. Uh, You you shouldn't sign him for a six-year, $140 million like Dak Prescott deal. You see how that deal is looking. And when you look around the league and when you're just looking at the final four teams, the quarterback matters. We've been talking since the playoffs started about you need a quarterback, a coach, and a defense to even survive. And, you know, obviously Mahomes is the guy. He's been paid uh, $500 million. Joe Burrow is going to be in line for one of those kind of deals. He's a little older, so I'm not sure exactly, you know, how he'll, you know, 
land in the market or, you know, how many years. Jalen Hurts is on his rookie deal still. That's why the Eagles are juggernauts. They played the game the right way. They moved on. And then you've got Brock Purdy, who is a rookie, who is, you know, seven games in. And as Mr. Irrelevant, I don't know what his contract is, but it is really nothing for them. And uh, they're getting top play out of him. So with Daniel Jones, though, you drafted him six overall. And I know it was a different regime that drafted him. But quarterbacks are hard to come by. And you're not drafting a quarterback this year that's going to be able to come in and do what he did. This guy is battle-tested. This guy is forged through fire. He's gone through so much nonsense. He was here with Eli, so he did get a little bit of the tutelage. He was shown how to be a professional here in New York. I think that his demeanor and the way he carries himself is right for New York. That is a big question mark with these quarterbacks. Will they be able to work here? I also don't think that the market for him is going to price out the Giants. Like I don't think that many people are going to be beating down the door to sign Daniel Jones. He's your guy. And you know what? He performed this year with Isaiah Hodgins, before Isaiah Hodgins, David Sills, Richie James, Darius Slayton. You know what I'm saying? Like he he got it done with less. They won a playoff game. They got to the playoffs. They got to pay him. I don't know what they're going to pay him. I think it's it's got to be a deal where, you know, Shane and Dayball and those guys come together and they make a smart deal not to attach themselves for six years like a Dak Prescott. But Ari just mentioned maybe a three-year deal. But it's going to be close to $40 million a year. And $40 million a year for three million a year, that's or for three years, that's 120 Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly where it's going to fall. But I think Giants fans, you know, last week against the Vikings, everybody was talking about Danny Dimes to Danny Dollars and how much he's worth and, you know, how much he's going to make. And they do have a quarterback. Don't change after this one game against the Eagles. You can't change your thoughts on what this kid is worth, what he did this year based off of one game. He shows you the work ethic. I always talk about him being there during the bye week and not leaving. The The, the Giants d- didn't want to pay him, right? They didn't pick up his option. They made him prove it. They made him show who he was, and he successfully did that. So now they have to pay him to keep him, and you shouldn't be upset about that as a Giants fan. You should be relieved that you're not searching for a quarterback. There are so many teams that end up searching for quarterbacks. You have nothing if you don't have a quarterback, and I think Daniel Jones with some weapons can be one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Keith McPherson on the fan, 877-337-6666. Got to take a break again. Yep, but it's about to be 10 o'clock. We'll go to the break and the update. More of your calls right after this.